Hey guys, it's Pete. Just wanted to let you know that my second book, Frankenstein's Soul's Echo, is now available. It continues the adventure from Frankenstein to Life Beyond, which is a direct sequel to Mary Shelley's classic novel. Both Frankenstein Life Beyond and Frankenstein's Soul's Echo are available as ebooks on Amazon, iBookstore, Barnes and Noble, Cabo, and of course from EnceladusLiterary.com. Thanks. Now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. These two idiots. <laughs> we give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. No matter what you hear in there, no matter how cruelly I beg you, no matter how terribly I may scream, do not... Open this door or you will undo everything I've worked for. Do you understand? Do not open this door. Yes, Doctor. Nice working with you. With your host, Pete. Get me out. Let me out of here. Get me the hell out of here. What's the matter with you people? I was joking! Don't you know a joke when you hear one? <laughs> and Greg. Jesus Christ, get me out of here! And we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. Open this goddamn door, I'll kick your rotten heads in! Mommy! Alright, I think I have it figured out now. Take out the candle, and I'll block the bookcase with my body. Let's give this another shot with young Frankenstein. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Frankenstein. And where would you get that idea? From a comedic genius I like to call Gene Wilder and his friend Mel Brooks. Were they friends? <laughs> That's what we're here to figure out. Were Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder really friends? Or were they just co-workers? How are we rating this friendship? <laughs> I see. You must be Igor. No, it's pronounced Igor. But they told me it was Igor. Well, they were wrong then, weren't they? Uh, oh, good Lord, yes. Uh, in a positive spin... Gene Wilder. Well, okay, that's a bad way to go. And a positive spin. Say, Gene no, Wilder wait a minute. died. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank no. A positive spin on the life of a comedic genius who had not done anything in a long time, but what he did will stay with us forever. Said I give. Agreed. And. Uh, I will say a mutual admiration society starts and ends. What well, <laughs> ends? But starts and ends with young Frankenstein. It yep, is, it is the classic to end all classics. It it is. Uh, uh, in my probably in my top like three comedies of all time. Yeah, I I, I posted the day he died that the performance of Gene Wilder and Young Frankenstein is head and shoulders for me above anyone else as a comedic performance on film in history. It is just pitch perfect to the note of all he had to do was over 
pronounce every consonant. <laughs> and that's all he did. <laughs> and it was perfect. <laughs> uh, would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. Abby normal. I'm almost sure that was the name. <laughs> There's no way in heaven or on earth. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll we'll give a little bit of a spin on it that maybe it's not the greatest movie of all time. Maybe it's the greatest three quarters of a movie of all time <laughs> comedic movie yeah of all time. i think we're gonna we'll, we'll pull out some issues here with the uh, the back half of the film but uh oh my gosh just something that has so far really stood the test of time i mean coming out in 1974 and still being as highly rated and talked about as it is um i i think it's Unique with the cast that it had at the time, the kind of creative forces behind it, and kind of the style of the comedy uh, is something that's really been able to kind of hold up. Um, it's not something that's horribly dated, like a bunch of stuff that you could talk about from, well, any decade, but especially like the early 70s. It's like, pull out another comedy that holds up this well. And yet it's very slapsticky. It really does oh, yeah. rely on the Gene Wilder performance because if his performance wasn't there, this would basically be an, like, and not to put it down because it's fantastic too, but it would be basically like Naked Gun mm-hmm. or Airplane. But it transcends that because specifically of Gene Wilder's performance makes it transcend into something greater than just a spoof movie. It's a spoof movie with something more, and I think that something more is just Gene Wilder. Uh, he is a difference maker. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and next we'll cover See No Evil, Hear No Evil with Richard Pry. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh-huh. Silver with, Streak. Oh. With Kevin Spacey and Richard <laughs> Pryor. <laughs> the man with one red shoe. Or, wait, no. Hey, that was Tom Hanks' final. I know, I know. I'm trying to... <laughs> no, the... the he had something with like a red dress or red shoe or red something. The lady in red or woman. Thank in red you. Yes. Okay. There we go. <laughs> I know movies. Oh wait. <laughs> Haunted honeymoon. Moon. <laughs> Which Young. in some ways is kind of trying to recapture the spirit of this. Yep. And he directed it, and it just hmm? doesn't work. It's not the same. No, it really is missing. It's it's got moments and it's got some funny lines and it's got some good bits with him and other people in the film, but yeah, it just doesn't have this level of magic to it. Well, the magic of Young Frankenstein was written by Gene Wilder. He brought on Mel Brooks to write. There's lots and lots of interviews out there that go over the same stories about him writing it, Mel Brooks stopping in to write it going to Columbia Pictures and asking for money and getting it and shooting it in black and white and fighting the studio over that and Gene Wilder fighting with Mel Brooks about keeping in the putting on the Ritz scene 
So there's lots of different things out there that are on commentaries and DVDs and YouTube interviews with Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder, and they kind of go over the same stories on it. But it never gets old just because the movie itself never gets old. It's brilliance, and for me, it's the only real telling of Frankenstein that I've ever seen <laughs> from beginning to end of that character. <laughs> I've never seen the original Boris, Kar- Boris Karloff stuff. I've I, I gotta I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in for just a second with that. I think more people know the jokes from this movie than they know the original films that this was spoofing. Oh absolutely. This is the introduction to Franken to, to Frankenstein. <laughs> then uh and just because it's time, and I'm sure there'll be something that'll have to come along here besides I, Frankenstein, with Aaron Eckhart that will hopefully keep that that alive. It will be... Uh, Anytime somebody wants to contact me about turning my books into movies or a television series, let me know. <laughs> that's right. If Aaron Eckhart's out there and listening and wants to add on the Frankenstein series and bring Aaron Eckhart into it, how did Aaron Eckhart get so integral in this? <laughs> <laughs> he should have played the Marty Feldman role. <laughs> it's fair. Oh, God, I hope they don't remake this movie. What, Young Frankenstein? Yeah. they. I don't see how they can because uh, mm. it's a spoof. You can't really remake spoofs. That's the only thing I'll say to hope that it just is immune from that possibility. Well, now, didn't they do kind of one of those, like, Broadway revival kind of shows out of this? Yeah, they're doing that for all of Mel Brooks' stuff. But that's different. That's a Broadway show. I, I You just, you can't... I don't see how... It's it's not possible to, to redo this movie. It, it's just, okay, you and I know that, and we understand that. I'm just saying somebody, like... Five years from now, it's like, hey, you know what was good back in the day was this thing, and we we probably should do an update. See, and I can't even think of who you could throw into these roles. I mean, they're just so iconic. See, I can't see going down that rabbit hole to begin with for two reasons. I mm-hmm. think this this young Frankenstein operates in this little chasm of pop culture that makes it immune from the reboot, re-sequel, whatever itis. There's a safe place? Yes. Okay. Very Let's small, talk about this. It's a very place. small and skinny place between the drywall and the outer wall of the house. Okay. And it's not necessarily a secret passage. It is, a number one, a spoof, and number two, a copyright-free, uh, you know, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Entity or, or uh, IP that... Mm-hmm. Is has been around forever, so there's no reason to specifically remake. It's like you know, there's no reason to remake uh, Bela Lugosi's Dracula. Ah, but there is. Oh, because you're either going to spoof Bela Lugosi's Dracula, or you're going to do Bram Stoker's Dracula with Francis Ford Coppola doing his own version. So there's an IP like that. You know, you can't. You're not going to remake Hamlet 
you're just going to do your version of Hamlet, or you're yeah. going to spoof Hamlet. So, uh, and, and and not to dump on Mel, that at some point it would be fun to, since you brought up the whole Dracula comparison, and since Mel was behind Dracula and didn't loving it, it would be fun to talk about why Young Frankenstein works and holds up, and that one doesn't. Dracula dead and loving it. I, was that Mel Brooks? I think so. Wasn't Leslie Nielsen in that? Yeah. See, I never saw it, so I, I would have no opinion one way or the other. Oh, okay. It's been a long time since I watched it, but... Uh... See, Mel, I think the that Mel hit his peak with Spaceballs, and then everything else he's done since then, which wasn't much, but uh, the only thing I can think of is, like, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and... He pretty much had that, Dracula Dead and Loving It, and... Life Stinks, I think Yeah, maybe maybe one more. But outside of that, he really made it as redoing his stuff on Broadway. And, I mean, the guy's in his mid-90s right now, so <laughs> more power to you, Mel. Keep doing whatever you want to do. Yeah, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to sit there and dog him. He's had, obviously, an extraordinary career. And even, I'll take even his, like, misses over a lot of what gets crapped out today for comedies. <laughs> oh, absolutely. History of yeah. the World Part 1 is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but... But Young Frankenstein, mm. Gene Wilder was at the height. This was Willy Wonka time and Blazing Saddles time and off the producer's time and pre-Richard Pryor time. So I think this was the pinnacle of the of Gene Wilder. It was that three-punch of Willy Wonka, this, and Blazing Saddles that I think every eulogy every every line item written about him a couple weeks ago when he passed is star of young frankenstein blazing saddles or willy wonka himself and then they'd go into oh he worked with richard Pryor and he was in the producers but these three are the pinnacle and for me young frankenstein is the ultimate pinnacle most people maybe remember him more as willy wonka but i think his best work is right here i, I don't think he got any better in anything else than he did in, in Young Frankenstein. Yeah, it's just such a pure giving performance, and that's something that I know a lot of uh, when you were reading different comments from people who had worked with him and knew him and everything, one of the uh, credits and things that a lot of people said about him was he was a brilliant comedian because he was such a giving comedian that it didn't have to be all about him and he didn't feel like he had to carry everything. He surrounded himself with funny actors and actresses and let them shine as well. Absolutely, including Marty Feldman was fantastic. Yeah, and that's, I think, really encapsulated in this movie. He allowed Terry Garr, a one and nobody, to to shine. (laughs) Chorus Leachman had her role, but Peter Boyle is the monster. But it was... (sighs) See, it's just, these these episodes are going to be so hard to go through because it's a whole lot. <laughs> the only thing I can nitpick, and let's just go jump into it. We're only 12 minutes in, and we don't have to go on forever because I think we can just jump right into. The only nitpick I have is this suffers from what I like to term the John Hughes syndrome of the – if you look at most John Hughes movies in the 80s, and boy, were there a bunch, <laughs> he has a very steady pattern of – Comedy, 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 get to know your characters, comedy, get to know your characters. Oh, what do we got about 20% of the movie left? Let's turn super serious. 
I don't know if this one turns super I'm serious, not super serious. But, but there is there is a tonal shift I will agree with. Yeah, young Frankenstein suffers from all-time hilarity that makes us sit here 40 some odd years later talking about it to okay, you get to I would guess maybe 25 to 30 minutes left in the movie. You, you kind of get past the putting on the Ritz part and and the monster right, gets out. right in right yeah. in there yeah is where the shift happens and there's again there's good bits. Yeah, but it just uh, turns and then all of a sudden yeah. it's just like, well, it's got to finish the story. <laughs> like like there's this forward momentum that's just a nonstop freight train of hilarious every moment and then it gets to, well, but we got to finish the story. And so do you think that's do you think that's in part because the back half of the movie relies less on Wilder's performance? I think partially, yeah, because you're you're spending more time now actually having to deal with the townspeople and uh, Kenneth Mars and his crazy inspector character, <laughs> um, and. and and you know, playing the violin to bring the monster back, and then you're spending more time with Peter Boyle's Frankenstein. Put that monster. man down. So, yeah, and then I mean, then you end with some jokes at the end, and you know how they mix their minds together. But yeah, it really is a, it's an eighty percent home run and a twenty percent. Well, okay, I guess they just had to do that because they had to wrap up the story. But that's my only complaint about it is most of the time I ever watched this movie in the last, like, 15, 20 years, I usually get to post putting on the Ritz and, eh, okay, I'll maybe watch something else. So. All right, so this will get confusing really fast since I just said, oh, please don't remake this. I'm going to take a moment and wonder if they remade this today. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, would you would you think that they'd try to change up anything about that back half of it because it's like, eh, we could let this roll a bit longer? Is it kind of the golden rule of comedy about kind of get your jokes out there and get off the stage? It's like brevity is the soul of wit type of thing, and it's like, eh, the runtime on this is fine. There, I think there's just got to be a way to find it. Uh... The tone, it's all about tone. What? <laughs> it's, it's all about keeping that tone all the way through. Mm-hmm. And it's very slapsticky. And then for some reason, it just delves into, dare I say, there's some dramatic moments that find the way. I mean, it's a lot of fun with the discovering who the character is and then watching them redo the the bits of bringing the monster to life. I mean, that's where all the fun is. It's kind of like, you know, a team-up movie. It's all, all the fun is watching the team get together. And then, oh, now you got to go through the actual event. And <laughs> it's not as fun. Well, and again, I think some of this is because it was um, deliberately tied so close to the source material that it was based off of and everything. Um, so True. I think some of it was probably just unavoidable since you had started out down that path and um, were kind of playing off of existing cliches and moments and other movies. True. So what I say is you don't redo this movie. You now do a young Frankenstein spoof on I Frankenstein. (laughs) (laughs) And no one will know what's going on because (laughs) just have bare chested ab ripped Aaron Eckhart show up and start singing, putting on the Ritz. (laughs) 
I was in an accident without a helmet. I have a slight scar over my eye. There's some it's gargoyles. <laughs> Watch out for the gargoyles. Why are there gargoyles? <laughs> so he goes onto the roof with a bunch of gargoyles, and they play putting on the rest. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think... Uh, uh, again, uh, source material aside, I don't think that anybody needs to go back to I Frankenstein, <laughs> at least the movie. Well, what does it, where does this fit as far as because you have written full novels about this this world, this this fictional world here. So, what was this the movie that put you uh, in, in place to have that seed dropped in your head at a young age or? Was this just a side note to already knowing that the the Frankenstein story? Um, okay, I'll take kind of a wandering path to answer that, I guess. The I train very... will agree with you. Yes, thank Hurry, God. the train's leaving. <laughs> Bring on the train. <laughs> Hurry before the train leaves. <laughs> take a meandering tour. Go for it. <laughs> Oh, well, I was going to throw in a walk-this-way joke if I'm getting off the train. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a very clear memory of uh, getting the—I think we rented this from, like, this was back in the 80s. We went to good old Meyer and um, went to the little video kiosk place that they had in there and rented this, and— I was kind of going back and forth on it because I was like, well, I don't know. I've always heard Frankenstein is scary and there's kind of a monster in this and this is black and white and aren't black and white movies supposed to be kind of scary and eerie? And so I was a little trepidatious about it. And I don't know, through like the early part of the film, I I was kind of laughing at stuff, but it was still like, is this going to get scary type of thing? And as soon as they go down the steps through the secret door into the basement and are looking at the skulls and Igor is the last one. And he started singing. I was just kind of like, I'm in. (laughs) Um, and that's probably where my love for like kind of the horror comedy mashup genre comes from and why I appreciate evil dead and things like that was probably from my experience initially with this film. Um, and, uh, I, my family for some reason has always been really big into Halloween and, um, that kind of stuff. And I think just kind of the whole appeal of like classic literature and monsters and storytelling and everything. Um, my oldest sister and I actually, when we were in college, took this awesome Gothic lit class together. Um, that kind of speaks to our interest in that subject area and everything. So this was, this was kind of my gateway, if you will, um, into a lot of that. So close your robe and follow me. (laughs) Put the candle back. (laughs) I think we would just spend the rest of the episode just doing all the quotes. And that's that's the other thing that's just so great about this movie is it's just so quotable. There's just so many things, so many little lines and moments and looks that, I mean, you, you can just bring them up to people of a certain age or people who have seen this and, you know, they'll just start chuckling. <laughs> and and if there's anything, if there's any better testament to comedy, that's it. Just you bring something up just kind of out of nowhere and people know exactly what you're talking about and just start laughing. It's got nothing to do with what you said or how you said it. It's the memory of that material. Yep. 
That's why there's a possibility of electrocution. Do you understand? <laughs> I understand. I understand. Why are you shouting? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and I guess uh, Feldman just, he was having trouble with that hump and just kept moving it from one side <laughs> to the other for comfort's no sake and people noticed it and they're just like well, let's just put it in the movie <laughs> it's that a joke I mean <laughs> what up <laughs> <laughs> just just crazy little things like that I mean stuff that wasn't even planned that they're just like that's hilarious let's just do it could we ever reach a level of this brilliance ever again in spoofs this goes to a much larger oh, thing before boy. we wrap up is we had the we had the Mel Brooks spoofs of the early 70s, this included. Mm-hmm. Then you got into the Zucker Brothers starting their way with Kentucky Fried Movie. Then hit with Airplane, Top Secret. Naked Gun was, the, I believe, their na- the nadir of their efforts. And uh, Hot Shots was kind of a tangent of that. Yeah, but, it was more of a bit of a swan song there. But I think... You you got into this crest of, okay, well, Airplane, Naked Gun, Top Secret, they're going to make fun of genres. And they're going to be in the Young Frankenstein mode, but they're going to be much more, It's there is no story, it's all all about the joke. It's nothing but a, a, a container for jokes. And then you get to Hot Shots and you start spinning into, let's look at a specific movie and make fun of that movie. And I think by the time you get to Hot Shots Part 2, Part 2, you have sequences where you're getting to where I think we have not escaped yet in the spoof level. And that is, hey, remember this scene in this movie? Well, now we've got our main actor in our spoof movie recreating that scene. Isn't that funny? I think they've just kind of lost the ability to spoof stuff, quite honestly. Well, it's not even that. It's just, and it's just, that's all we've got now. That is all we have is these Seltzer Friedberg spoof movies, the, the, the superhero movie and the meet the gladiators or whatever the hell it is. And it's, (laughs) it is nothing but non sequiturs of, Hey, here's a pop culture reference to this movie. Yeah, get it? Look, they're they're in that scene from that movie you saw, but but they're wearing gladiator outfits. Isn't that funny? Huh? Funny? Anybody? Hello? And it it uh that that's where we're at. So, I guess can we ever have a a Zucker Brothers, Zucker Abram Zucker type renaissance with spoof movies to where we can get back to there's just a, a specific genre that can be spoofed, and you don't need to have Charlie Sheen pop up wearing a <laughs> uh, you know an outfit from Platoon. Hey, I was in Platoon, but now I'm here in this movie. Funny? Yay! No. Yeah, the the Zucker's Abrams were almost a victim of their own successes. By the end of it, you get to like Scary Movie Three. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> it's and the first scary movie people liked, and I think that's because it didn't. It, it had it owed a tremendous amount to just being a a ripoff point by point of Scream, but yeah. it benefited in that it had a few things that were not 
having anything to do with Scream. They were just jokes for themselves. So the only thing I can give a pass to is the very first scary movie, and that's a very small pass because, again, it's aping Scream down to naming its characters after, like, the actors <laughs> from Scream. Oh, what are you waiting for? <laughs> but, but at least there are jokes in there that are just there as jokes. Whether they're gross-out or spoof jokes, they're still there as jokes, and then all of a sudden it just spun out of control. And we, I cannot think of a spoof movie that we've had in 25 years since, like, Naked Gun 2 that has been just anything Clever. I would have any interest in seeing. <laughs> anything I'd have any interest in seeing, much less. Yeah, I, I just feel like it became kind of the quick cash. It's like, okay, we don't have to spend a whole lot of money on this. We can throw in some familiar faces here and there to try to get people into the theater. This is kind of an established genre of uh, comedy and everything, and so we can make a quick buck and move on, and who cares? And I think it's just had that reputation so beaten into the public's mind at this point that nobody's wanted to go back and try to do smart comedy with that again um like you get with some of the films and filmmakers that we kind of discussed and leslie nielsen ended up being in all of them until he died (laughs) it just seemed like all of a sudden leslie nielsen's in all of them come on man come on man stop it (laughs) <laughs> but he, I, he, I guess he found his niche and he was an older actor and why not they were willing to pay i guess take it while well, you can get it but yeah i well okay well here's here's maybe a question to bounce bounce around here um can you think of i mean think about some of the comedy stylings that came before this era that we're talking about, kind of the spoof movies with genres and everything, kind of that golden age. Comedy-wise, what preceded it, have we seen that type of comedy come back ever? I mean, is it just kind of like, can you only do snippets of comedy and certain stylings of comedy for a given amount of time, and then it's just like, it's gone? Or does it come back just in, like, different forms or... Well, we're always going to evolve as a culture, and I did. I, I forgot Python. We, for, we forgot all about Monty Python in the 70s, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always going to change, and I guess I would go back to something that we have said through every one of our 10,000 hours of talking about all this, <laughs> is do we avoid looking at the movies only and go to TV since TV's landscape has changed so much? you got stuff like... Uh, I mean, Fred Armisen and Bill Hader are doing all sorts of quirky stuff on on IFC, the cable channel, that mm-hmm. are just kind of like spoofy things that aren't really spe- they're they're genre specific. They're not film specific. Or you have stuff like South Park that is well, that's satire. It's not always really spoof, but they do do a lot of like before yeah, you, but parody before is you a form of satire. Get, yeah, before you realize it, suddenly they're in a parody of something you've seen before. Right. Um, so is it a, yet again in the endless tr- circle of, are we just saying the TV is better than movies now? Because they, they can <laughs> do the long form. It's the circle of comedy. Just because they can do the long form. And, and, but I, 
I still think that there is room and somewhere somebody's going to unlock this key. <laughs> uh, that was stupid. <laughs> let's unlock this key. Yes, mm, this key. Well, let's key up this door. <laughs> That's right. The key itself has a lock on it, so unlock that first. Then use that key to unlock what I was going to get to, which is there is room where somebody's going to come back with an airplane-like success. Somebody's going to hit with a movie that is a spoof that's not bridesmaids or hangover comedy and or, or you know, something like that. I think as the closest we've gotten in the last ten years was Anchorman. Probably. But even I, that I would wasn't argue really that spoof. isolated episodes of The Simpsons kind of took up some of this too. True. But would you put Anchorman in the same quantitative class as airplane no why tell me now (laughs) as anakin would say tell me now um they weren't they were they were spoofing an era they weren't really spoofing a genre of film but they were doing the same types of jokes though they were doing like non sequitur visual gags for the sake of only having a visual gag. The, the comedy style was the same, but I think what they were trying to achieve was different. I mean, I think that's probably, you're right, that's probably the closest approximation I can think of off the top of my head, but there is a difference to me. Will we ever have a Gene Wilder again? God, I hope so. <laughs> I, I would again. This would be a film that I would hold up and argue. It's like, okay, Oscars. This is why you need a category to award comedy and comedy writing. Yes, or just steal from the Golden Globes and call it a comedy or musical. And and even even though a lot of modern day musicals are getting attention. Because apparently Chicago won Best Picture in 2002. I didn't know that. And it was a, it was a musical. <laughs> <laughs> and La La Land's getting a lot of talk this year about being one of the best pictures of the year when it comes out. So uh, maybe, yeah, you just have a comedy category. Yeah, because this is, this is hard. And especially making something that, again, continues to hold up over such a long period of time. Um, and to just kind of be like, oh, that's great, and walk away from it when you're supposedly honoring everything to do with film and filmmaking and writing and all the facets that go into it um, is just kind of ridiculous. Well, it's it's film. It's it's film. It's art. It's cinema. It's cinema. And Zach Galifianakis is not cinema. <laughs> Meryl Streep is cinema. <laughs> Oh, Gene, we miss you. We will miss you for the rest of our lives. <laughs> I will forever point people in the direction of Young Frankenstein as the finest comedic performance I've ever seen. And um, we'll put an additional plug in. If you're listening to this now and not down the road... Um, to honor this film and honor Gene, um, kind of nationwide, they're doing screenings this Wednesday, October 5th, 2016, um, nationwide to um, showcase this film uh, because, again, it holds up that well. 
so check your check your local theater listings and go see this on the big screen. Call your local movie phone and find out where it's playing. And I will have no pressure now to get this up as soon as possible. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening to this tomorrow, stand (laughs) back, go go see this movie. (laughs) Because we did such a fast job on getting this out. Yes, well, when people listen to this, they will say, crude, yes. Or start a start a national campaign to have this in movie theaters every October. <laughs> How about that? That would, that would be awesome. I might start that campaign. Every October, it's just a given. Or to just have Gene's voice play when you're like in a crowded subway car and somebody's pushing up against you or in a busy line at a concert, just have him come out and just say, stand back. I, I can't wait to see what clips you pull from this movie. It's like the credits are suddenly going to be like. <laughs> just the movie. It's just, <laughs> it's just the whole sequences because I don't know where to cut it. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> no, but they did. I And go back and watch the original Universal um, Frankenstein movies and some of those other original movies from the 30s. There, There are some gems in there. There are some head scratchers as to what they were thinking or doing at the time, but it's, it's definitely worth going back and checking out and go back even further. Read the original Mary Shelley novel, read my books. If you're so inclined, one of these days I'll get the third one out. (laughs) Um, but yeah, just, uh, just celebrate this stuff. It's, it's definitely worth, uh, going down the rabbit hole on. Yes. Ah. Ah. Would you mind (laughs) telling me what books you have written? You won't be angry. I will not be at the end of the episode. Different types who wear a day coat, pants with stripes, or cutaway coat, perfect fits. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes or at EnceladusLiterary.com. Werewolf? There. What? There, wolf. There, castle. Why are you talking that way? I thought you wanted to. No, I don't want to. Suit yourself. I'm easy. Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. Good night. Would the doctor care for a brandy before retiring? No. Thank you. Some warm milk? Perhaps? No. Thank you very much. No thanks. Ovaltine. Nothing. Thank you. I'm a little tired. And I will say good night. Good night. Okay, but ah.